today. Let's just spend a couple minutes before him. Father, what do you want the song to be out of us today? Release a song out of us today. Release a song out of us today.
death couldn't hold Jesus in the grave And it can't hold me either Cause I'm one with you, Jesus feel his lordship when we worship him we love you jesus we thank you that you are the lord over death and since we participate in you through our faith in you god that we are victors over death the spirit of death can't hold us down guys that spirit of depression can't hold us down because jesus has shared his own spirit with us he's breathed his own spirit into humans again Spirit of Yahweh, we need you. Grace is fine. 
shown me grace. You've lifted my shame. You've drawn me with loving kindness. Washed whiter than snow. You have redeemed and made me whole. Sing Jesus. Oh, Jesus, you have won me. You've broken every chain with love and mercy. You triumphed over death and you are worthy of glory and praise. Come on, sing it out again, Jesus. Hey, oh, Jesus, you have
Okay, there you go. See, I feel like I'm talking to my kids or my grandkids. See, when you say something, you need a response. So, hey, I just want to say that it's awesome to be here. Okay, you know, this is awesome weather that we're having, is it not? My son's in Rochester, New York with 25 degrees and a foot of snow, so I hope he gets home tomorrow night. Anyhow, but you know what? It is, it really is a, a time and a season that we're in right now, and God is really on the move, and he's wanting us to move with him. You know that he wants to move, he is moving, but who's going to walk with him? Okay? We're really in a time of transition. And uh, about a month or so ago, the Lord told me that I was at a crossroads, and I thought, oh, God, please don't tell me that. You know, last time he told me that, you know, then I had to make this major decision and I'll tell you what that was. It was right after Bob went on dialysis in 2012. And several months before, I had um, agreed to do a speaking engagement in Nashville. So I was all geared up to go, and it was over Valentine's Day. Can you believe that? But I went to that meeting. I had somebody come and, and stay with Bob, and uh, it's gone, I think, three days. But when I... I got back, that's when the Lord told me, you know, you are at a crossroads. And he would honor whatever decision I made. He said, you can either go or you can stay. Because I had other invitations coming, which if you would say, maybe that would have started my ministry. But you know, I couldn't leave Bob. He was my husband, he was my best friend, he was my assignment, so to speak. He was the one that I needed to stay with. So I chose, see, my crossroads was the cross, and I chose to stay with Bob. 
So now when he tells me again, and this is what, uh, five years later, and at the same time, you're at a crossroads, and I'm like, it's a word for all of us. We're really at a, um, a divine point in time, and we choose our destiny. What do we want to do? Do we choose to walk with him? It's going to be tough. You know, we're going through some tough times right now. If you aren't going through a tough time, you're on the wrong boat. Okay? This week I felt like I was on a boat with one oar and I kept going in circles. I'm telling you what. We had, my son was leaving for uh, Rochester, his wife pregnant with their fourth little one, boy this time. And she had to go to the hospital for a couple of days. I had my three awesome little grandbaby girls. And they are awesome. But I'm not the spring chicken I used to be. Okay? <laughs> so, anyhow, it was a bit wearing. And it seemed like everything was coming against me. And I thought it would be easy to cancel. And I thought, no, God wants to do something. This was in eternity. This date and time was ordained and I need to be here so who's the devil just the devil right so so anyhow so here I am so as one of the ladies said in the bathroom this is going to be good and I'm like well, I can't wait to hear it well neither can I because <laughs> it may be mumbo jumbo it's like aren't you from Louisiana don't you eat gumbo there yeah well this might be gumbo soup so we don't know it might be spicy might not I don't know Anyhow, well, I wanted to start with a few things. Um, Kimberly, this is my awesome daughter, Kimberly. And uh, thank you, my dear. Okay, you can stand by for news. I feel like Paul Harvey this morning. Um, well, wow, I knew you'd come up here someday. Okay. Um, she's actually living in Harmony, isn't that awesome? At a master dog training school. So if you have a dog that needs trained, see her <laughs> but um, yeah well uh-huh uh-huh uh, back in August the Lord spoke to me you know it sounds like I'm always sleeping because he wakes me up to tell me something but anyhow he wakes me up and he said decades ago I mean that's how he starts out decades ago I called on to Bob to register this slogan but he didn't respond he said, now I'm giving it to you this day. Did you learn to love? He wants that message, not, not that Bob failed. I think if Bob heard that, he probably rebuked it because what would he do with it, you know? Um, and I heard it and I'm like, what do I do with it? I was doing ministry in Ohio, waking up the body of Christ in Ohio, carrying Bob's old Gulliver prophecy to Ohio to wake up that sleeping giant before the election, okay? And Ohio, when Ohio went, they fell like dominoes. They followed after. And that's a whole other story, but, you know, I did my part. Anyway, um, the Lord tells me to begin a product line of Did You Learn to Love? And I'm like, how do I do this? See, that's part of the crossroads. But I'm finding out, and I want to give this to David. One of the things we're doing is our cup, because... Do you, and we're going to start our own coffee, too. Our koinia. Did you learn to love coffee? Amen, I do. They've got, you can give that to David. Anyhow, uh, but we're, we are doing different things. Um, and 
our website will be up in about a month, I think. And buy everything so we can put those little grandbabies to college. How's that? <laughs> now, you know what the Lord had told me several years ago? See, he gave Bob that experience, and then he gave me an understanding of it. He said that it is the question that rings out to all mankind through all eternity. Did you learn to love? Because if you learn to love, then you've completed what God called you to do. You, we're supposed to do the first commandment, love God, all right? Love him, love your brother, love yourself. Okay, if you begin to walk in the nature of Jesus Christ, then, well, it's not just beginning, you end there. Because you can love anybody at any time, no matter what the circumstance is. Especially if somebody betrays you, you can definitely love them. And how? You put all that stuff aside and say, I can love them with the love of the Lord. You forgive them. You cover them with the blood of Jesus. You pray for them. You embrace them. You just love them. You know how, like I have these, did you, is anybody guilty like me? This is what I have done and still do sometimes. I work up this stuff in my head, okay? Like somebody did something that really aggravates me. And I kind of have this conversation in my head, which is not good. But I'm going to be all stirred up about it. And then when that person comes to see me, it's like I put my arms around him and love him. I wasn't mad at all. It was just the devil wearing on me. You know, and I'm like, well, pff, I exhaust myself getting frustrated. So anyhow, you probably have a book, but um, hey, I signed it. It's got my beautiful signature in it. Will you give that to the lady back here in the pink with the flowers on it? Um, that's Bob's death experience from 1975 where he stood before the Lord in death. And the only question the Lord will ask you is, did you learn to love? Is that awesome? Did you learn to become like my son, Jesus Christ. That's what he wants to know. All these other things, all of our plaques and awards and how many millions of dollars we made, they won't make a difference. It's did you learn to, to love? That's what will do it. And then the other thing I have is um, the shepherd's rod. This is our best ever. How's that? You know, Bob was writing that for years, and then Paul Keith Davis took it over for him, and, and they wrote, you know, he wrote for Bob. And um, then Bob and I was writing together, and my son joined us. There's some things in the back here that my son wrote, but I wanted to share a couple things with you from this. And um, what well, you said, windows. Okay, here's my little story. You are a people of nations. I was in South Africa in Cape Town over um, well, on Rosh Hashanah and I think it was our last service on a Sunday morning and Etienne Blom, you know Etienne, Carolyn and Bobby Connor was there also. We were doing the meetings and that morning it's a last service and they had communion set up. So whenever, you know, during worship, whenever you felt like it, come forth and get your communion, go back to your seat. So really the three of us, we did that at the same time. So there was Bobby and Carolyn, me and uh, Etienne and Hetty Blom. So I can hear each couple praying and I'm standing here alone with my communion. Now I take communion home by myself, but that is something Bob and I used to do together. And it just struck me that day, you know, I'm doing this by myself, I'm all alone. 
and I started to weep. And as I did, the Lord spoke to me and he said that he has heard the tears of the weeping widows and he is answering their cries, their, their pleas in this time. So, you know, it really startled me and I knew that was a word he wanted me to release there that morning. Well, I'll tell you, I think when I, when I finished that morning, because it was just off the cuff, you know, but what the Lord showed me is there, there are many widows, natural widows, <clears throat> and, you know, whether it be a woman or a man, widow, widower, but there are in the natural, there are widows, and they have been weeping. And he is going to answer their prayer, just like he did, in, if you look at Naomi and um, Ruth, and what was the other gal's name? Mm, the Orpah. Yeah, I had to think of Ophir Winfrey. Okay, Orpah. But you know what? God really blessed those two. You don't hear anything about Orpah after that. She just went back and, you know, who knows what she did. But God really blessed Naomi and Ruth. And I think this is the time that the Ruths are waking up and they're coming forth and they're going to prosper. Because that's what God wants to do is prosper the people and especially the widows. And then there's also the widows who are married. And you may know some of these people. You may even be one, a man or a woman. You may have a spouse or know of somebody in the family that has a spouse. They've been married a long time and their spouse still does not know the Lord. But they choose to be that married widow or widower as opposed to being divorced. They will just hang in there and continue to pray for their spouse. God's answering their prayers. It's a time of the prodigals coming home. It's a time of those loved ones that they've been praying for to come. Okay, do you understand what I'm saying? God's answering those prayers. There's married widows and there's the natural widow. In the book also, what the Lord showed me was the mantle, two mantles. One is Samuel's mantle. Not one word fell to the ground. Do you remember that? Wouldn't you like to have an anointing like that? Yeah. Now, something that goes along with that is you have to know how to bridle your tongue because the words you speak carry weight. And what you speak will be. But that Samuel anointing is falling on the body of Christ. And I think that's why if you're going through a tough time, well, get ready. Get ready to catch your mantle. The other mantle that's, that's falling on the body of Christ is the Elisha anointing. Now, Elisha asked for that double portion. What he did was carry on the Elijah anointing. He did double of everything. You know, he was a mighty man of God. But he really carried in, I'm going to say this, here, you know what, um, how about this young man right here with the white beard? <laughs> okay, then you can be seated, how's that? Um, before Bob and I met, I was living in Alaska, which was a wonderful place to live. But I was living in Alaska, and the Lord had spoke to me Just before he sent me home, he told me again, they said, most people mock Bob Jones, and when they mock Bob Jones, they mock my Holy Spirit. See, a lot of people misunderstood Bob. Bob was different, you know, but I'll bet a long time ago they thought John the Baptist was different too. 
you know. Bob walked to his own beat, but that beat was the heartbeat of the Lord. So people might have thought he was weird. But he said, you know, most people mock Bob Jones. When they do, they mock my Holy Spirit. And he told me he was sending me home. He said, out of the dust of the earth comes a company of Elijah's. Elisha's follow, and I'm sending you back to raise up that company. Well, you know, months later, Bob and I met, and then we're married, and, and so it goes. And so I realized that Bob, he had been weighed on the scale. The Holy Spirit took him and weighed him on the scale of Elijah. So I always knew that, but the Lord showed me that I was the Elisha, and I thought, oh, goodness, this is scary because it made me think like, if I say anything to Bob, he's going to think that I'm trying to be better than him, go higher or something. I wasn't thinking too clear. If you knew Bob at all, he would always say, my ceiling must be your floor. Okay. But one day I was really brave and I said, you know, the Lord really revealed to me that I'm the Elisha prophet coming forth. And he said, I wondered when he was going to get it. And I'm like, ah. Come on, you know, I thought, I always thought I might know something that he didn't, it never happened. <laughs> so, but you know what, it is time that those Elisha prophets, the Elisha ministries are coming forth. Bob could only go so far, and say, like I said with the, uh, did you learn to love? He had that revelation and he could only take things, that was his mission through, through ministry was to release that word and to get people to understand their gifts and calling to walk by um, by their five senses in the spirit. You know, I mean, he did a lot of things, but his main message was, did you learn to love and how to teach people to love? He could only go so far with it. Now the Lord is saying, you pick up that baton and you go farther. You know, I want you to take this beyond. So that's what I'm doing. How to do it? I don't know, but I know the one who knows. So I'm trusting him. Am I at a crossroads? Yeah. It felt like a U-turn this week. But, you know, we're all at the same place. And we all have a decision to make. And you are the one who determines what your destiny is. If you follow him or if you turn and go the other way. I don't want to turn and go the other way. Okay. Well, here you go. Hey, has anybody seen the moon this week? Yeah, was that awesome or what? I know, we were, my oldest granddaughter, she's five. I mean, this kid, I'm telling you, she is super intelligent, Olivia, and she just loves the moon. And we found the planet Pluto and, you know, but the moon the other night, my goodness, you know, there was three things that happened this week. There was the full moon, which was called the snow moon. I'm glad the snow went someplace else. Um, there was a lunar eclipse, so that's the sun, which represents the, um, the Lord, of course, but it had to move around the earth, which represents man, to shine. Um, hope I said that right. Yeah. Did I get that right, Lord? If I draw pictures, I get it. Anyhow, it's like the, the moon, the sun had to go around the earth to shine on the moon, but it made it this awesome moon. And then we had a green comet. So do you know all those things took place? I didn't till last night, but anyhow. So we had, you know, the heavens are displaying the handiworks of God. He's really telling us something in this season. You know, 
Everything is declaring the glory of God. And that's why I felt with that moon being so bright, it represents the church, the bride. And he's really showing forth his glory on his body. The ones who are going to follow him. There's some that's still going to say, this isn't for me. But you know what? We do our part, and hopefully what we do, the Lord, you know, his glory shining through us is going to turn them to Jesus Christ. You know, we need to do our part, and hopefully they'll come along with us. You know, I saw a, um, I saw, a, I'm going to say a band of women. It was, um, what do they have, those relay races where everybody's dressed in their um, little white outfits, you know, running, their little running gear, and they were all, these were women, but they were all carrying batons, state by state. And I thought, you know, there's a real move of women across this nation. They were going, it was west coast to east coast, but each state at the same time moved. So I thought it's a movement, a movement of women. So I encourage you women, you know, don't be bashful. Be bold, like the Lord, Lord told me, be bold and bodacious. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, so Nike, Nike, just do it, you know. Any place that you are is your place of authority. If you're a bank teller or at the grocery store or if you're pumping gas wherever you are, let hear from the Lord and whatever he speaks to you. It might sound corny to you, but it just might be the key that unlocks somebody's heart. You know, don't miss an opportunity because we are responsible for everything that God gives us. And if he gives us a word from somebody and we don't, we don't give it, Someday we're going to stand before him and he's going to say, why didn't you give that word? little example, I was living in Montana and I went to church on a Sunday night and there's a little gal sitting down, the, we had pews, so she's sitting down at the end of the pew and the Lord told me to go tell her that what you're about to do, don't do it. So I said, okay. So I scooted over to her and that's exactly what I told her. And I didn't know when I spoke those words what it was. But see, she was going to have an abortion. So I was able to just love on her, pray with her. Whether she did or not, I don't know. I don't believe that she did. But I feel confident that if I stand before the Lord, he doesn't have to say, this little girl had an abortion because I gave you this word and you didn't give it. You see what I'm saying? So anything that the Lord gives you, even if it sounds crazy to you, say it, speak it. Okay. Hey, I should be like Bobby Connor. Whoa, you know how he does. Okay, okay, anyhow. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like Bobby. <laughs> I love Bobby's stories. Here's a cute story though. Yesterday morning, okay, my daughter-in-law's home from the hospital and Anyhow, I went over to spend Friday night with her and the girls. And uh, my grandbaby is really cute. She woke up and found me in bed with her. How's that? <laughs> and she said, Gammy, I think I was having a, a dream. And it was a good dream. <laughs> okay. But when I left yesterday morning, this is funny. I have a Honda Odyssey that has its uh, little navigation system in the front and the backup, uh, we call it backup camera. So I got in, I started the engine. In that screen, instead of saying navigation system, it looked like a matrix. 
you know, I looked at it because it was multicolored, um, kind of like rainbow colors, but almost like a honeycomb, and it just flashed up and down. I'm like, what is this thing doing? You know, it was really weird. And then I started to back up, and my backup camera didn't come on. I thought, okay. And then I had lines, and then it just went white. I'm like, well, this is weird. I don't know what's going on with it. You know, what's this going to cost me? So I drive home, which is like 20 minutes. I get home, and I shut the van off. And then I thought, I'm going to try this again. Because I'm trying to think, who do I call? How do I fix this? I shut it off, and I started it again. And it came up perfect, just like always. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is the Lord's hand. He is resetting our navigation system, our DNA, okay? Because our, our vehicles represent our, our drive, our ministry, our motivation, okay? I thought it's going from this, what man says on there, that what that screen's going to tell you, and even backing up, it's what God wants to say. Here again, I'm saying we need to hear him, and the greatest thing we can do if we hear him is obey Okay, don't be like Jonah. Don't turn and go the other way. Face it and go on. Follow him. So I felt he was really directing our course, and we have like the reset button. Okay, this morning, this is what the Lord said. I am asking him for something special for you. Okay, are you ready? Okay, he said, today, tell them. I'm coming soon. Time to, it's time to get their uh, house in order, lest I come and they are not ready. One, two, three, here I come. So I thought, it's, this is all a thing of timing. Now, is Jesus saying he's coming back soon? I don't know that's what he means, but he's coming. See, I think he's coming in his holy array, in his glory, okay? Next, if you're having your meetings, well, okay, we talked about this. Um, March 11th, I'm having a meeting in uh, the Bob Jones Vision Center at Heritage. Um, last February, I finally got to visit my 50th state, which was Oklahoma. And... While I was there, I was up telling about Bob and how that back in the 70s, I didn't know when it was, but Bob walked in that Samuel anointing, that no matter where he was, the power of God, the glory of God in him just oozed out of him, and people, you know, in his uh, circumference, they'd come near him, and that power of God would hit them, they would know that they were a sinner, and they would repent. They'd say, what do I need to do? to get saved. Because Bob said salvation was so simple. And he said, I just wanted to go fishing. He, he's on his way to the bait and tackle shop and people kept falling over, getting healed, getting delivered, getting saved. So he said, I just wanted to go fishing. Well, he did. He went fishing for a different kind of fish, you know. Uh, but see that glory of God was in him. Just like he is in you. We just haven't let it bubble up and come out of us yet. But the Lord told Bob, as I'm speaking this, the pastor that was with us, 
I said, I don't know when that was, the late 70s, and this man jumped up, and he said that was March 11th, 1977. Okay? And I'm like, okay, okay, I have a date. That's when it hit me, 2017, so it's like a year later, March 11th will be 40 years. You know, God is into 40-year increments. He does a lot in those 40 years. And the Lord tell me, told me a couple months ago to have a meeting there and call this releasing the presence of my glory. So I'm like, okay. He said, nobody owns it. See, the Lord told Bob on March 11th of 77 that today I'm removing the glory and writing Ichabod over the church because man has been uh, using that glory for himself. He's taking credit for what I'm doing. And Bob was just like, Lord, if you're going to take it, take me home too because I don't want to live down here without it. And he said, no, you'll live to see the beginning, a glimpse of my glory. And Bob did, but the greater glory you're going to see beginning March 11th, 17. So we're just a, like a month, a month away, and I'm really excited about it. Um, Bob had his glory train uh, experience back in 2010, and he said it would begin in 2012. That's why I said, I know Bob got to live to see some of it. Uh, but, you know, everybody, everybody on board that train, it was just full of seats. Everybody had their ticket. You know, she's got a ticket to ride. They all had their ticket. And the Lord was the conductor. And it was the glory train. Bob saw this egg. He said it was uh, like a, a capsule, a time capsule. It looked like an egg, and the glory of God was in that, and time was in that egg. Okay, but the egg was going to begin to open in 2012. Well, grace, grace, this is five years later. Okay, so look forward to the release of the glory. You know, I just want to say I honor you and, and the body here. I know you take good care of Bob. <laughs> you know, we go over at the headstone when we come up here, but... Um, you know, thank you for stewarding Bob's bones, as you said, like the bones of Elisha. Thank you for taking care of him. So look forward for that date. And the other thing uh, in 2017 that was significant to me, when the Lord had us take the um, Gulliver prophecy, are you familiar with the Gulliver prophecy? Anybody? Quickly. Okay, just real quick. Back in... 2005, Bob was ministering in Cincinnati, Ohio, and he had a vision of this giant, this giant man he called Gulliver, laying down. He was waking up in the Ohio Valley. But as he saw him rising up, his head was in Cleveland in a place called Jacob's Field. Okay? So his head was in Cleveland, his heart in Columbus, which is the capital and his reproductive organs in Cincinnati. His left arm was in Philadelphia, the right arm in Indianapolis, and let's see, the left leg in Charlotte and the right leg in Nashville. Now, each one of those played a significant role. And as he saw the, the giant, he began with his right arm in Indianapolis, he began to flex his hand, and 
said, you know, he was going to stand up. His feet came together in Atlanta, and Bob said, the Lord told him, if you take Atlanta, you take the South. Okay, but he was beginning to wake up. Now, back in July, the Lord, like the middle of July, the Lord told me, commissioned me to go to Ohio to wake up that sleeping giant. I thought we were going to go to all the states, and he said, no, it was this specific Ohio. And as we crossed, we drove, you know, our vans, and as we crossed the Ohio River and got into um, Marietta, we stopped for lunch, and the Lord told me to go to the river to pray. And as I went there to pray, the Lord began to speak to me. And he said to go, one of the things he said was to go to Lake Erie and release the angels that are holding back the anointing of my church. Now, I'm not smart enough to think about that, that there would be angels holding back the anointing. But he said to do that. So um, we, we prayed, you know, whatever the Lord gave me there, we prayed over the Ohio River, released prophecies that uh, William Branham had, and the Lord showed us that that was our Jordan, okay? And we crossed from the Elijah ministry into the Elisha ministry. And so we went with the blessing to bless people with that anointing. And we went, I think it was the following day, to Jacob's Field. And then uh, the following day we, we ministered in um, the northeast corner of the state. And I asked the pastor afterwards, I said, where could we go to pray? I wanted to get my foot down in the water and pray that and release the angels. He said, my house. So he lives in a condo right, you know, it's like from here to the parking lot, away from the water. So we went there and, and we got to go, my son and my, myself and this pastor, we went there and we prayed and we released the angels. It was very powerful. So from that point, you know, we've seen awesome things begin to happen. And we ran into a lot of opposition in Ohio because some people said, they knew that I was political, is what they said, because I would speak about Mr. Trump. However, you know what? The Lord showed me that Mr. Trump was his choice. And, I mean, like a year before, like right before he announced that he was going to run, you know, the Lord said, the, the devil thinks he has an ace in the hole, but I'm going to trump the devil's ace. So, okay. And he, he kept feeding me so I would know and not lose hope and I would walk in faith and not fear, and, and walk in boldness. And you know what? There were people that did not, maybe an hour before we come to minister, they'd call or send me a text and say, we want you to come and bless us, but please don't, don't say anything about the election. You know, there was such a religious spirit around the heart of Ohio. It was really tough. And the Lord said, you don't do anything until they repent. And I'm like, oh, good. This is really good. But you know what? God will always give you the grace. This is what he told me. You can go wherever you want, but where I send you, my grace will be with you. And I'm like, oh, good. <laughs> yeah, I need his grace. I don't know about the rest of you, but I need his grace. So where he sent me, he gave me the grace to walk in the anointing. And you know what? We saw those towers crumble and people repented 
you know, it was really, really, really neat. Uh, there was a whole meeting, of, like a regional meeting, and we told the pastor this, because the Lord showed me, the Lord outside trying to get in this church, but their walls were so high, they mistook him for the enemy, and they said, we don't want you. They wouldn't let him in. So the pastor said, well, we as leadership have been repenting for a while. And I said, well, it's the whole body. So that night he said, okay. Because huh. my son and I, we said, this might be a very short meeting because if we don't, you know, if he doesn't say yes, then we just have to leave. And, uh, but it was really neat. During worship, the Lord said, now. And now is when we get up on the stage. I'll tell you what, it was powerful. People were on their face. They were, people were embracing each other. There was such a breakthrough for that region. And guess what? Trump took Ohio. So <laughs> that's a long story short. There's a whole lot in that. But, you know, it was, it was awesome. It was an awesome time. And um, the Lord told me now, he said, you've done what I called you to do. Shut that down until I send you again to, to continue that ministry. So I'm like, aye, aye, Captain. He's the boss. So, but anyhow, timing. With Bob's Gulliver prophecy, he brought that in 2005 in Cincinnati, Ohio. And at that time, he said that sleeping giant, he had been asleep for 38 years. If you count back 38 years from 2005, it would be 1967. That's when Jerusalem became a state. It was our summer of love. Is anybody here old enough to remember the summer of love? Oh, a few of us. I didn't partake in that, but anyhow, but we remember it. But see, this year, June 6th, June 7th, will be 50 years. So we've got a 40-year in a 50-year culmination this year. God is up to something. He moves in those 50s. This is the year of Jubilee. And God is restoring everything, everything. That's something he told me just yesterday, that he's restoring everything. What this nation has lost. See, he's giving her ample time to turn to him. And obviously she's going to. I have great hope because he said I'm restoring her. Well, hey, is this okay? Is my jumbo gumbo okay? Okay, okay. Well, I have some tequila. It's really tequila in here. They think it's <laughs> le bleu. <laughs> <coughs> I like to do that when we go to a restaurant and you got this religious spirit going on. <coughs> and you're, I mean, you're with the pastor and his family, the leaders, and, and they come around and take your drink order, and I just ask for tequila, and then... <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm teasing. But I had tequila once. The day my dad died, I had a shot of tequila. And I saw pink elephants fly, and it wasn't Dumbo. <laughs> so I decided not to do that again. I, I don't know what I was thinking, but anyhow. Okay. Well, here is something. This was back Thanksgiving time. I had this awesome vision of this beautiful, fragrant, red rose coming up out of the ground. I mean, it was really awesome. And I heard the Lord say, it's time for the rose of Sharon to bloom. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is one of Bob's old prophecies. 
You know, he had like so many, but I had to go find it and, and read about it. And he had that 1983. Did you share that with them after? Oh, well, you should have. If you did, I wouldn't have to. <laughs> okay. Well, this was funny. It was the week of Thanksgiving. And when I went, just before I went to bed that night, I wrote David and asked if he was going to be here on the day after Thanksgiving because I was going to come up and put flowers on the grave. And so it's like 11 o'clock at night. I went to bed. And in the morning, I have this vision. Then later, I get my text message and he said, yes, he would be there. <laughs> like, okay, awesome. Uh, with Bob's Rose of Sharon prophecy, he had this back in 1983, and he saw his own headstone, his name on it, and out of the ground came this beautiful red rose, and the Lord told him it was the Rose of Sharon. But it took five years, because he relays this to uh, Mike Bickle, but it really took another five years before he got understanding of that. And what the Lord showed Bob is that um, he said he knew at the time that it would come to life, that red rose would come to life after his death. And the body of Christ would learn to operate in the first commandment. And what is the first commandment? Love God. Okay. Now let me throw this in here. It's kind of out of order, but I'm going to throw it in. The, of the Trinity... Jesus was the first revelation, right? We got understanding of Jesus. The second one was Holy Spirit. The last one is that of the Father, and God is love. So it all relates back to love. So he saw that, uh, that the body would begin to uh, operate in the first commandment, which is love. And... He said, when Jesus returns, that there would be a generation on earth that will restore and establish the first commandment to first place. He also said that God was going to release an anointing of Song of Solomon 8.6, which is the fire of love. Now, that is an all-consuming fire, Okay. And I feel something on that up here as I'm speaking, but it's an all-consuming fire. See, we want God to so consume us, okay? If he's been taking things away from you, you know, what he, he's taking this, 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 and this away from me. And New Year's Day, he said, no more TV. He said, you have too much clutter in your mind. I want it to be full of me. So there goes TV. He gave me, on, on uh, Inauguration Day, he told me to watch the inauguration because he told me what was going to take place. So I had opportunity to watch that. But you know what? If you've got clutter in your mind, it's in your heart as well. I need to get that clutter out so there's room for him. I want that consuming fire, the fire of God. I want it to be, what do you say? He's the winnowing, this is what he told me yesterday. He said, he's the winnowing fire and he's fanning the flames, okay? So he's separating the wheat and the chaff. We want his fire to consume us so we walk in that glory, 
Okay? There's a lot about the glory we don't understand, but we're about to find out. This is a new generation. They're going to walk the, it's not just the youth. I think of youth because they have a lot of energy. They have a lot of zeal. But you know what? This is blending generations together. The young whippersnappers, as I call them, they can't, they might have the energy, but they don't have the wisdom. We get wisdom through everyday living. And trust me, if you've got to be 50, 60, 70, you've got a lot more wisdom than somebody that's 20. I know teenagers always think they know it all. I used to, I thought. <laughs> Anybody been there besides me? Okay, okay. Well, you know what I'm talking about. It's like kids don't want to listen to parents. I remember thinking my mom was crazy. Anybody think that? Yeah? Okay. You didn't know? <laughs> you, well, well, I used to think she was nuts. But you know what? What she tried to forewarn me of, you know, I couldn't see it. I couldn't understand it. Why? Because I hadn't lived there. I think we need to begin to see the youth and try to understand them better. And the youth need to try to understand the old folks, that's me, better. We need to come together, blend together, learn, have more patience with each other, learn from each other. Older people are great and they need people to mentor. Young people need people to mentor them. You know, you can't, I think there would be a lot less failures in ministry if the young ones coming up with all this, you know, gumption, if they let somebody mentor them. You know, Bob would say, I can teach you in three weeks what it took me 40 years to learn. And most of it was through, as he would say, his trials and failures. You know, the biggest blunders you make are the ones that are going to be your best teaching point. You know, has anybody ever made real messes? <laughs> I know I have. So we need to come together, the old and the young, you know. I remember when I knew that I had to marry Bob. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I sat across the real living room looking at him. He was old enough to be my father. That's what I thought, what's God doing? And I, I would look at his neck, and I thought he had wrinkles. I tried to count wrinkles in his neck, you know. <laughs> Is that crazy? Yeah. I never did get them counted, but you know what? I thought we'd never, I thought we would never ever have anything to talk about. I thought this is just going to be boring, you know what? But see, there was a generation there, right? He and my mom would get on the phone and have good conversations, you know. His son's two years younger than me. We could have good conversations. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> You know, I thought he was back with mule train or something. Yeah, I mean, what, you know. But, you know, God had a way of blending, blending us together. It was for his purpose. So if we can kind of let those walls of pride come down and, and work together, we're going to go a lot farther quicker. We can impart to the young ones and they can run our race for us. Yeah, I did see a generation of the youth that are coming forth in such power. 
there is nothing that these kids, they, they, were, they were just filled with the power of God. And they were fearless. They were so full of faith. Nothing, absolutely nothing. You know, they just weren't afear, afraid of anything. That's how we need to be. There's a fire coming that's going to burn away everything in us that doesn't belong there. If we're willing, are we willing to give it up? Okay. Did I? Oh. Can I share a couple other things? Okay. I've been at Morningstar too long. No, I'm saying that with kindness. I learned to use a phone. <laughs> but when I see the number one, two, three, four, I know that the Lord has everything in order. Okay, that's how I receive it. One, so he woke me at 12.34 Friday morning. Okay, now I'm just going to share some of these things. And you can just, I'm not going to explain them. I haven't figured them out yet. But you can. He's speaking to me different, okay, than how he has in the past. That's how you know you're in a time of transition, right? Oh, okay. Simple truths reveal lies. Isn't that neat? That's it. Simple truths reveal lies. The economy changes history. Global warming fails. <laughs> What's that guy's name? Al Gore. He'll be surprised. Okay. <laughs> the rich man grows fatter. I just started to lose weight. Okay, the rich man grows fatter. The housing bubble bursts. Who is the wiser, the fool or the rich man? Now catch that. Who is the wiser, the fool or the rich man? The economy takes a turn and the downside is recovery. But who is the wiser, the rich man or the fool? Now why he said it that way, I do not know. No one takes it to heart when I speak about the economy. No one takes it to heart when I speak about recovery. But you are going to see this nation recover all she has lost. Okay. He said, I'm preparing a maiden voyage for those lost at sea. Um, I believe he's talking about salvation. Those lost at sea, it's that restless sea of humanity. And he said, why? He said, I'm tired. See, he asked me a question, why? But then he answers it, I am so happy. Why? He said, I'm tired of those in control of Washington taking a pay hike while man suffers. I'm draining the swamp, starting with, I'm not going to say if it's a certain person, a politician, starting with this person. He says, watch as I pull the plug, starting with the aristocrats first. I'm the billion dollar question, and who believes in me shall prosper. Okay. And then he told me to get ready, and I'm saying this for all of you, this isn't limited to me, but get ready to go fishing and take along a big fishing pole. Okay, what he said, there are people, he said America has taken a direct hit, 
and soon the political system shall fall. Um, their sin is wide open on a scale that you cannot fathom. Then salvation from among the rich and famous shall take place. You see, when this wave of glory hits the body of Christ and we walk in what we're called to do, we can't just say, I want it, and then hide it somewhere, you know, go dig a hole and hide it because I got my portion. We have to do something with it. If you aren't willing to do something with it, then, you know, just let it go to somebody else. But when salvation, when this glory hits, those, there's some that you would never think would bow their knee to Jesus. But they are going to. They're very rich, many political people. They are going to finance the kingdom. Okay? You need a big fishing pole. You don't know who that person is. Could be a CEO of a company. Could be the dean of the, of the college. Who is it? There are ones with a lot of money and a hard heart. But they need you. They need your love to unlock their heart. The word spoken into their heart that breaks that right open. And you know what? They are going to gladly give in the hour of his power. There's going to be a lot of healing come out of this movement. It is a movement. You're going to see a lot of um, healing come. Yesterday he told me we're in a day of reckoning. I thought, oh, good, okay. But the good thing is, it's a day when the, all the wrongs are made right. And I think we're seeing that in our nation now with new government. It looks really tough, and right before the inauguration, the Lord told me, it's going to look really bad until spring, and then things are going to begin to turn around. Okay. Um, he said, here's what I'm saying, and hear me clearly on this. Obey my commandment. Obey love. Okay. Well, he said, uh, I'm the winnowing fire. I'm the winnowing. I'm winnowing the fire and fanning the flames. So it's something we just need to let him do. You know, sometimes the Lord wants to do something in our life, and we just have a habit of resisting and saying, no, it's going to be too painful. And all we need to, you know, I say, just do it and get it over with. <laughs> let's, just, let's just do it, you know, because I want to do all that God called me to do. I may not do it exactly right every time. You know, I've made blunders. I know a few things I did really right. I, I did not want to do this. I did not want to get married. You know, I was like, me and Jesus, we had a thing going on, you know. And that's before I came, Mrs. Jones. So I was like, we just had this awesome love affair, you know. I, I could feel his heartbeat. It's like, why would I want a man, no matter who that man could be, you know. A man would complicate things for me. Oh, boy, did Bob complicate things. <laughs> But you know what? God's divine destiny for us was for us to be together. Before the foundation of the earth, 
He put us together, okay? Because he knew that we both had a thing to do. You know, if, well, Bob couldn't marry me a long time ago because I hadn't been born then yet. But anyhow, uh, but you know what? He went so far in his life. Viola goes home. I had gone so far in my life. The Lord brought us together. And we married in obedience. Did we marry in love? We loved each other as, you know, like I love you. We loved each other that way. We learned to love each other. Okay? We married, we both married out of obedience. Because I cried my eyeballs out one night, about two weeks before I got married. I'm like, please, God, please don't make me do this. And I cried. You ever get that crying? It's like gut wrenching till you can't cry anything. There's just nothing left. And then I said, I want your will, Lord, not mine. And I walked down the aisle. But I knew that day walking down the aisle that, you know, Bob was standing there in his little tuxedo. He just looked so, he looked so handsome. But I'm walking down the aisle. My son's escorted me and Bob's standing there. And I thought, that's when it hit me. I am walking into my destiny. Bob couldn't complete his walk without me. And I couldn't get to where I needed to be without him. And he had... He went so far, and then he had to go home. And then I must continue, Elijah, Elisha, I must continue my walk. So what is God calling you to? What is this time in your life? It's time for you to become a fisher of all men. It's time that the glory, you know, you, you're in an awesome church, and you get fed here good meat <laughs> but it's time now that you pick up that baton and you carry it you need to go forth and do all that God has called you to do you can't just come and warm the bench every week you got to be out during the week and doing something you need to be taking David you're going to Columbia he's taking meat with him where he goes and he's lighting he's lighting his baton in another nation and that's what each one of you are doing. A lot of you, you love the nations, and a lot of you are called to the nations. And sometimes that nation is just going to be right here. It's going to be a local, um, could be a local school, could be a home gathering. You have people, you've got a community here, and you need to start with them. Take your light. Does anybody know this song besides me? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine? Yeah, I was just a little, a little tyke. Uh, in a church of God church back in Ohio and I had an older sister and we would stand and sing those little songs you know and that was when I'm this little light of mine I'm teaching my grandbabies I'm going to let that light shine and you need to let yours shine too don't let the devil put it out you let it shine shine for Jesus well I tell you what I'm probably going to quit but if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to lay hands on everybody. And um, I'd like to just release that. What? There's conversation in the front row. Them first. Them first? <laughs> okay. You know what? When I lay hands on people, I generally don't feel anything. And that's good. We need to house 
the anointing. It just flows through us. I, it was weird. Before I could marry Bob, even though we were like, we knew we were to be married, I had to go through tests. Can you believe that? I had to go through a driving test. I had to make sure that I could drive Prophet Bob. I'm like, okay. You know, that was one of them. One, this was a neat test. They called me to go to a meeting with him to minister with him. I'm like, me minister with Bob Jones? I think that's before I really knew I was going to marry him. Anyhow, I went to this meeting, and he ministered, and then I had to back him up. Remember how he'd have people lay hands on his kidneys? So I did. He was drawing the anointing out of me. But I did. I stood up. That's what he told me later. We had to make sure that you could stand up under the anointing. I said, well, what did you want me to do? But see, there was people who would stand up behind him, and they would fall down. They couldn't, quote, house the anointing. So we are just empty vessels filled with the Holy Spirit. We just release what we have. So what I want to do is just pray. You'll have to line people up. Pray for everybody, and it's nothing fancy. I'm just releasing what I've got, which is love and that double blessing, the Elisha anointing. Freely we receive, freely we give. Okay, I've heard people come to me and say, boy, when you prayed for my son, this or that happened, or so-and-so got healed. I'm like, really? <laughs> it's always a surprise to me because I didn't feel anything. But all I say is be blessed in all that you do, and don't let the devil steal anything from you. Just say no. Say no. And everybody, when you leave here, buy product on the way out. <laughs> Help me with my campaign. Oh, okay, I'm done.